Back in the day, I used to present a radio show on Yukon's Pugs Radio, and it was absolutely brilliant. Even though I'm not coming back to present the show for another series, what we thought we'd do is reissue all of the rip ticket shows that went out with me at the helm here on Talking Smith About Film, giving you lots of reviews that you've probably never heard before. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is just gone five past one. You are listening to Pulse Radio. This is the Rip Ticket Show. My name's Jack Smith. It's an absolute delight to have your company once again for what is arguably going to be our last show before Christmas. Because it's the end of the semester here at the uni. Uh, so we're a little bit under the wars today, of course. A lot of Christmas parties have been going on this week, including a certain cinema's big do, as I like to call it. But... Nevertheless, we still have three films to review for you all this afternoon. The first of which being the big release this week. It came out on Wednesday. It has done some phenomenal opening figures so far. Have DC been able to break a curse of films like Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice? Have they been able to break a curse of films like Suicide Squad? And most importantly, have they been able to make a film that was as good as Wonder Woman? This review will be spoiler-free. Do not worry, folks. It is time to review Aquaman. My father was a lighthouse keeper. My mother was a queen. But life has a way of bringing people together. We could unite our worlds one day. Check it out. Arthur is talking to the fish. for you. Your half-brother, King Orm, is about to declare war upon the surface world. The only way to stop this war is for you to take your rightful place as king. Trust me, I am no king. You do your best thinking when you're not thinking at all. That was the worst pep talk ever. I want to strap in. Exactly why you are worthy. That was awesome. A war is coming to the surface, and I'm bringing the wrath of the seven seas with me. 
shoot! Redheads! You gotta love them! So, Aquaman, based on that trailer, you think it's going to be a, a lot of fun. It's very different tonally compared to what DC have done before. There's a lot more humour in there. To give you a flavour of what the film's like, this is set a year after the events of Justice League, uh, where Arthur Curry learns that he's an heir to the underwater kingdom of Atlantis. He must step forward to lead his people and be a hero to the world. This is an origin story, but kind of not an origin story, because we've seen his parasite, we know what he can do, we've been introduced to some of the characters, uh, and, of course, you've got the talent of James Wan directing this film. Traditionally, we would play a clip at this point, but because Warner have been very tactical with the release of the film, it's not out in America till next Friday. They haven't released much in terms of press material to us, so we don't have a clip to play. Uh, so we're just going to get straight on with it. As we all know, DC have had a very weird few years. Nolan came, he saw, he conquered with that Dark Knight trilogy. Zack Snyder divided fans with three very passable efforts. Less about them, the better. Patty Jenkins revitalised the genre in a way with Wonder Woman. And of course, it's now down to Mr James Wan to carry the weight, not only of the Justice League backlash, but to revitalise and push DC forward. And ladies and gentlemen, he's done it. He's actually done it. This... This film simply has to succeed for Warner Brothers. And that opening weekend figure in China is indicative of that. It's 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. I can humbly agree. They went and did it. Now, pardon me for the joke. One's direction is pretty watertight for the majority of the two-hour, 23-minute running time of this film. Could have done with a few cuts here and there in the middle. There's a lot of exposition going on. There's some... There's a lot of character development, most importantly, and it's a good use of set pieces, and again, some fans will be arguing that the CGI is overused in this film, but that's part and parcel with Hollywood nowadays. They use CGI just too much. But working to a script from David Leslie, Johnson McGoldrick and Will Beale, this film is able to balance the light and the dark in a way that we've not seen in a DC film up to now. The closest we've seen to it is Wonder Woman, and even then, that was just because of filmmaking style. It's a refreshing change. It's almost like what Thor Ragnarok did last year. What Thor Ragnarok did, taking a character that's had quite a middling past, add some humour and a little bit of light elements to it, and develop it a little bit more. Behind the camera, you've got Don Burgess, and this is a film that was shot for IMAX. So if you, if you can get into an IMAX or a premium large format screen, try and see it big and loud because visually this film is absolutely stunning if you've seen the trailer you'll have seen the scenes of atlantis you'll have seen just the color palette on offer i seeing it on wednesday with a crowded opening night audience 80 percent female for those of you interested and we'll get to the reason why in a minute this film visually just works on so many levels and sure it won't appease every taste and it won't really appease but in a nutshell the, the comic book fans will have their issues with it but casual cinema guys will be like oh DC have actually made a good film and you've also got Rupert Gregson Williams on scoring duties they actually use that guitar if you heard in the trailer in the film which I'm like yes uh, and speaking of things that make you go, yes, the cast are just fantastic. Jason Momoa, my man, is just brilliant. He kills it like a bat, as he has done in previous DC Extended Universe films. And joining him for the ride is Amber Heard as Mira, the uh, princess of Atlantis. William Defoe, you've got Patrick Wilson, the pink-haired Dolph Lundgren. 
He's much better in this than he was in Creed 2, I have to admit. Uh, you've got Nicole King- Kidman um, as his mum. You've got characters all over the shop. And like I say, oh yeah, I, yeah, some of them are underutilised. Uh, I, I can't reveal which characters are underutilised because that would spoil a bit of the film, one of the pivotal fight scenes. But this a- film is able to create a rare balance and... Yes. James, did James Wan's admitted this, so I can reveal this on there. Julie Andrews does have a super secret role in this film, and it's, it's perfect. And one, one thing I did actually pick up on, I was discussing this last night. James Wan has used a lot of his horror back... Uh, his, his, uh, how can I word this? He's used his unique skills that he's honed on horror films. There are a couple of jump scares in there going into the third act. But it adds to the uniqueness of this film. It might, this might be the dark horse DC have scheduled over the next two years. It feels like they finally struck onto a winning formula. So that's credit to Jeff Johns and his team since he came on and revitalised things. I can, I can humbly say, DC could be back on the road to success with this film. They could be on their way back to the route of what made their films good. And yeah, Man of Steel was okay. Batman v Superman was a slog. Suicide Squad was... Well, I enjoyed it. It wasn't the greatest film. But this feels like their first steps back towards box office domination. And I know they've got Shazam coming up next year. They've got Wonder Woman 1984 and 2020. These next few years are going to be pivotal. Now that we know that Avengers Endgame will be the end of an era, this feels like DC's time to shine. And my God, it was enjoyable. So, of course, it is time to rate this film. If you've not listened to the Rip Ticket show before, then uh, here's a quick summary of our ratings. Should be watched, worth a watch. Wait for the DVD, not worth watching. And there is one super... Oh, and go out and see it now is our highest rating. Although I don't think that'll last for long. Bit of a spoiler for later. So, Aquaman. Really solid film. It is... Honestly, one of the biggest surprises I have seen in a film this year. And while it might be a little overlong, and yes, it was cut down for the 12 certificate, they had to digitally remove some blood over here, but it's not really changed much in terms of the, uh, the output of the film, in terms of the, uh, the story and the running time. But I, I can safely say, and this is quite a big deal, this is a DC film that's actually worth a watch. It is just Brilliant! It is just really, really, really good. And considering their past, considering their murky past and how they've been mocked for it in the, in the last couple of years, especially by Deadpool, how so dark you belong in a DC film. Um, this is a rare break from convention and a much-needed break from convention. James Wan and his team have been able to create something that not only satisfies the fans... Satisfies another core audience, and most importantly, it gets the eyes back on DC. And that is something they have been wanting to get back into action for a very long time. So, Aquaman, worth a watch. Cannot believe I get to say it. So, of course, here on the Rip Ticket Show, usually we play film music, but as as it is going to be our last show before Christmas Day, I thought, well, why don't we break with convention a little bit ourselves and play some Christmas music? Because, of course, this is our last show. So, naturally, we need to play some good stuff. And considering the film we've got to be reviewing next, we need something like... We need something that will 
get people happy. So, <coughs> as you can tell, I'm full of a cold today. So it's going to be quite an effort to get through this programme. But we'll have to stop us from talking about the year in review. Of course it won't. It's been a great year for film, hasn't it? There have been some good things, there have been some bad things. Of course, we opened The Shape of Water, which was a fantastic piece of filmmaking from Guillermo del Toro. Then we had I, Tonya. We had all the big awards contenders from last year come out in January. Then Black Panther came, saw, conquered and dominated. And then, of course, we had... When I began this programme, I joined this programme in March with Mr Carver, and uh, here we are now. Um... But yeah, it's been a great year for film. It, I, I've personally enjoyed the, uh, the output. At, at this moment, I have seen 64 films for the year, which is a new all-time record for me. Fantastic. Uh, but my highlights for the year have included Mission Impossible Fallout, which have been, which was just a pure, fantastic piece of action filmmaking from Chris McCory and Tom Cruise and all the gang behind it. As it currently stands, it's my favourite film of the year. And I make the official call next week. So, big couple of days ahead in that regard. But this year, in terms of the films we've had, just, I, I, I've not had, there hasn't been a year like this in quite a long time. The closest we've had is 2012, and there was a new release out pretty much every week that summer. We've had films like Ocean's 8, which was alright, it doesn't get many wrong. We had Avengers Infinity War. We had Peter Rabbit. That was a great success. And then we got into the winter months over the last couple weeks. Star is Born is the one to beat at the Oscars. We've had Spider-Man into Spider-Verse, which opens wide today. We'll be reviewing it in a little bit. I, I, I cannot think of a year that has been this stacked. But reminiscing aside, there has been some news in the film landscape. This is what this music's usually heralding. Of course, last week we had our Golden Globes nominees. Understandably, the favourite is the favourite. We shall be trying to review that on our first show back in January. Do not worry, folks. I want to see this Olivia Colman performance on a big screen. We were going to try and see it on Monday at one of those mystery film nights, but that's another story for another time. Actually, not another time. We'll be telling that in a minute. Uh, of course, last week we got the trailer for Avengers Endgame. Quite a nice little teaser. Doesn't give much away. I don't think Marvel should release another trailer because, in all honesty, we've had the best teaser in the world and I, I honestly do not know if they can pull this off. The hype is there. We know characters are going to die. We know contracts are up. But it's now just going to be a re- weird case over the next six months. Can the film be good? Will it be good? Well, we will review it in April. Boom. So, it is time to talk about a film that isn't out in cinemas yet, but it will be out in January 18th. Oh, well, January 18th next year. On Monday night, myself and the great men and women of my blog, well, it was just me and a couple of mates of mine, basically, we went, we travelled down to a certain cinema to go to another one of their mystery film nights. We were under the impression that we're going to be watching The Favourite. And they did the biggest bait and switch in the world. We got to see another awards contender, and an awards contender that will probably get overlooked. Uh, it's based on a true story. It is Steve Carell and the, uh, the almighty Timothy Chalamet in, uh, in a little film called Beautiful Boy. And uh, let's just say I have my issues with this film. Here's the trailer for it. Oh, wow. Oh, 
So how you doing? I'm doing great, you know, just um um just doing what needs to be done and What does oh, that mean? I'm sorry, Dad. Um why don't we just have lunch and talk? We can do that, right? Mm. Please. You think that you have this under control. I understand why I do things. It doesn't make me any different. You're just embarrassed because I was like, you know, I was like this amazing thing, like your special creation or something, and you don't like who I am now. Yeah? Who are you, Nick? This is me, Dad. Here, this is who I am. This is not you. This is not you, Nick. What are you doing, huh? You always got to be controlling everything all the time. Let me, let me book your room no, at a hotel for no, a couple of nights. Dad. I don't want it to go like this. My son has gone missing. Nicholas Sheff, S-H-E-F-F. There's no one by that name, sir. There are moments that I look at him, this kid that I raised, who I thought I knew inside and out, and I wonder who he is. I thought we were close. I thought we were closer than most fathers and sons. Why? I felt better than I ever had, so I just kept on doing it. This isn't us. This is not who we are. My son is out there somewhere, and I don't know what he's doing. I don't know how to help him. You can't. I don't feel like I have a disease. This isn't like cancer. This is my choice. I put myself here. I failed. I can't do it alone. I need to find a way to fill this black hole in me. I still have a family. I want them to be proud of me. What you have, you're going to find it again. You're going to get it back. Do you know how much I love you? I love you more than everything. I love everything. Everything. So, Beautiful Boy is based on this true story. It's uh, it's based on the best-selling pair of memoirs from father and son David and Nick Sheff, and it chronicles what the distributors see as a heartbreaking and and inspiring experience of survival, relapse, and, and recovery in a family coping with addiction over many years, and as uh, someone put it on Twitter, nothing says Christmas like nihilistic drug abuse. Um, it's a very educational, it's a very bleak film, and it's the English language debut for the film's director Felix Van, Vo- uh, Van Groeningen, uh, Dutch director by the look of things. Um, it's taken me all week to sort of compose my thoughts and sort of think about the film a little bit more. And in in all honesty, it's it is a, a very 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 bleak film. It's a powerful film too. It's just a shame that it had to be ruined by the sounds of Bohemian Rhapsody playing next door. And uh, I have raised that up with management at that place. So I now get to enjoy this clip with the rest of you in perfect listening conditions. And the guys at Studio Canal who released this film very kindly edited this clip for language so I don't have to, which is really kind. So if you hear the occasional gap in audio, just use your imagination. This is a, a scene, well, you heard a bit of it in the trailer, where where, these, where David and Nick Chef are together in the cafe and they realise together that uh, rehab might be needed. Yeah, I've seen a few extra bucks. Why don't we just have lunch and talk? We can do that, right? Mm. Mm. 
what house Karen and uh, and the kids. Okay. They ask about you. Is there step up next week? And I know they'd love you. Okay, you're uh, you're guilt tripping me, all right? No, I'm just I saying. Feel horrible about myself. I know they wanted you to be there. That's all. I'm sorry, Dad. Um, I just need some money. All right. So please just give me and some money. Where does this end? This is. I gotta see this one through. This is kind of working out for me right now. I got five days so It doesn't look like it's working you, out. Nick. Oh, it doesn't look like it's working out. So what? The no. therapy, huh? You can come home. No, that we'll make it work. Please, Nick. Please. I've been doing some research. You've been doing fucking research? You gotta no. be kidding me, Dad. You think that you have this under control. Mm -hmm. And I understand how scared you are. I understand why I do things. It doesn't make me any different, all right? I'm attracted to craziness, and you're just embarrassed because I was like, you know, I was like this amazing thing, like your special creation or something, and you don't like who I am now. Yeah, who are you, Nick? This is me, Dad. Here, this is who I am. So, as you heard from that clip, you can get an idea for what these performances are like. Performances are where this film excels in many ways, but the technical qualities behind this film are where it struggles. Like I say, it's the English language debut for the director. And I can see why the powers that be picked this film for the mystery film night, because it is ultimately a film that's meant to get you talking. Now, Van Groningen's direction, it's passable. He paced the film in a decent way, but at two hours, this feeling film could have been executed better as a documentary rather than as a full-length feature. And this is something I've been chatting with a very good friend of mine here at the university, one of the film production actress, Ed Greenberg. Hello, if you're listening. Uh, uh, but it is... It could have worked better as a documentary, and that's also partially due to the script as well. Some of the dialogue in the screenplay, Von Groningen and Luke Davis have written, uh, could have been cut uh, to create a little bit more dramatic sense, especially the end of the film, which lacks in terms of dramatic um, empathy. It's just, it just ends. It just ends. And it is predictable. You know it's a true story. It's, it's been written about quite a bit. Uh, Nick Sheff have written books, of course. So it's all out there in the public domain. Uh, given the book that it's been adapted from, it doesn't hold back any detail on the dangers of drug use. It doesn't hold back any detail on the dangers of addiction either. It tells it in quite bleak and graphic detail. It's understandable why this film has got a 15 certificate, but considering the core audience of this film is, it's an awards film so that's the sort of thing we're talking here this is an awards film that Amazon have put money into I can see why it has been touted as a film to be and given Given the releases at the minute, I don't think this film will get much in terms of the awards attention. Performance-wise, Corral, Chalamet, they're pretty good. And you've got Maratini, uh, Amy Ryan, Katie Diva, and quite a few others supporting them. But what a few people are thinking, it's Corral and a few of his office co-stars back together and romantic relationship it's hinted at here and there and... It just takes you away from what this film is trying to convey. It is arguably a film about how not to live your life. and Considering another core audience that after chatting with the film production lot and uh, other people here on campus, considering that this film could easily be used by schools uh, during uh, social health education lessons um, to inform and educate uh, the next generation about how to go about life in a safe way 
this film does have its moments. The execution just leaves quite a bit to be desired. Not a nice way to end what's been a great year of these mystery film nights. I've seen I, Tonya, Shape of Water, American Animals, Sorry to Bother You, Old Man and the Gun. It's, it, it's quite a bleak film, and I left that screening thinking, oh, really, I've got to write this review up. Um, and I, I honestly, just talking about this film... It's harrowing. It is really, really harrowing. Very good use of 15 certificate, but narrative-wise and in terms of the execution and the pacing, it does drag on a little bit. It could have been done better as a documentary. It, it's... Yeah, it's not... It, it's an OK film if you know what you're going into. If, if you're in the right mindset to watch a film about a true story and, and the, the struggles that life can bring, sure, go ahead, watch it. Because it, it ultimately, yes... It is... Well, do not get me wrong. It, it is worth a watch if you're in the right right state of mind to watch it. If you know what you're letting yourself in for, go ahead. If you don't know what you're letting yourself in for, wait for the DVD. But if you like your films to be detailed and depressing, go ahead. If you don't like your films to be detailed and press, depressing, wait until it comes out in January and make your mind up when. I can honestly see why they picked this film considering we were meant to be getting the favourite. But if you are in the educational sector, keep your eyes peeled for this film when it comes out on DVD because it has things that could ultimately benefit the next generation. I think in a few years' time we can look back on this film and think, oh, so in terms of what it was trying to execute, it was pretty decent. But here and now, in the long term, in the widest spread of award season, I don't think this film would be getting much attention outside of performances. And even then, you've got films like Green Book, you've got films like The Favourite, you've got films like The Old Man and the Gun, and you've even got Star is Born still hanging around. I, I can see why they did it, but on, on, the, on the other hand, why can't films just be pure entertainment? They're, they're meant to take you out of the outside world, not bore you with problems in the outside world, if you get what I mean. So, Beautiful Boy... It's heartfelt, it's beautiful, it's harrowing. It's worth a watch, uh, but just be aware that it is a brutal film in terms of what it's trying to depict. So, let's try and get something a little bit brighter on. Let's try and get something a little bit more relaxed. And speaking of brighter and more relaxed, what better time to do something than TV Movie of the Week? And I'll be continuing to I'll be doing TV movie a week on the social media accounts of the show over Christmas, giving you a new film at uh, different times over the uh, next couple of weeks. But this week, it's quite timely considering the fact that I'm considering my shortlist for film of the year. Three years ago, an Irish film took that honour, and that film is on BBC Two this Sunday at eight o'clock. I honestly cannot recommend Brooklyn enough. I've seen it God knows how many times now. If you like heartfelt romances, the classic style of Hollywood filmmaking and the very strong performances that Saoirse Ronan can turn in time after time, especially with Mary Queen of Scots coming out in a couple of weeks, give this film a go. It's an hour and 50 minutes. It is just pure joy. I think I've seen this film at least ten times now over the last three years. Twice at the cinema and quite a few times after that. And if it wasn't for a friend of mine who introduced me to that film, who will remain nameless on this station... Uh, I wouldn't have seen this film in the first place, and I tell that story in uh, one of the YouTube episodes I'm doing over Christmas. But yeah, Brooklyn is my film of the week. 
uh, for TV. TV movie. Uh, you can tell I'm hit with a cold, listeners. Uh, Brooklyn is our TV movie of the week. It's on Sunday. It's 8, eight o'clock, BBC Two. Prime time placement. Are you lying if I said I wasn't thinking about doing a piece of quill dance here in the studio to that song? That was Come and Get Your Love by Redbone from Guardians of the Galaxy. This is, of course, the Rip Ticket Show on Pulse Radio. Now, this is a moment I've been looking forward to since I seen this film last week. Sony have had quite a mixed run with their Spider-Man films of late. They tried with Sam Raimi, they did The Amazing Spider-Man, then they got the rights back to Marvel and loaned the character to use him in the MCU. Then, of course, we got Venom. But there was a little thing at the end of Venom that kind of brought all of our hopes up once again. Those were... And that little thing began with the words somewhere in another universe. That was our first proper look at the animated Spider-Man film that had been in the works for quite a long time at Sony Animation. The guys who brought us the Emoji Movie, don't forget. When they announced this film, the comic book world was sceptical. We knew their output, the studio's issues, and most importantly, their track record. So, is the Spider-Verse worthy? It is time to find out. Here is the trailer for Sony Animation's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Going wide in cinemas this afternoon. My name is Peter Parker. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. I saved the city, fell in love, then I saved the city again, and again, and again. Look, I'm a comic book, a serial, I did a Christmas album, and a so-so popsicle. But this isn't about me. Not anymore. Spider-Man swings in once a day, zip-zaps up in his little mask and answers to no one. I love you, Mons. Yeah, I know that. You gotta say I love you back. Dad, are you serious? I want to hear it. Look at this place. Dad, I love you. Dad, I love you. That's a copy. Ladies and gentlemen. My name is Miles Morales. I'm the one and only Spider-Man. At least that's what I thought. You ever hear the Super Collider? You're gonna love this. Dimension opening now. You're like me. That's impossible. All right, kid, listen up. This fry is your universe. It's soggy, it's weird, it's gross. And this delicious normal fry is my universe. So you want to learn to be Spider-Man. Can you teach me? Yes, I can. Time to swing. Ah, Good, you're doing it. Double tap to release and whip it out again. Okay. Whip and release. You're a natural. Whip. Hey, guys. Who are you? I'm Gwen Stacy. I'm from another another dimension. How many more spider people are there? Hey, fellas. Hello. This could literally not get any weirder. It can get weirder. Okay. We need to get back to our universes soon. Brooklyn is going to collapse. My family lives in Brooklyn. Whoa, 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 whoa. Miles, what's wrong? This was never your city. It's mine. If I don't destroy the collider, none of us will have a home to go home to. Remember, what makes you different... Let's go! ...is what makes you Spider-Man. Officer, I love you. <laughs> Wait, what? That way, that way. Other way, other way, other way, other way. Do animals talk in this dimension? Because I don't want to freak them out.
Well, that just hearing that trailer back makes me very, very happy indeed, knowing that this film, it's actually brilliant. It is... It is Sony's best work with a Spider-Man character in quite some time. A lot of people are saying this is better than Spider-Man 2, I can humbly agree. To give you the flavour of the film, Miles Morales, the alternate Spider-Man from the comics, comes across the long-dead Peter Parker. This Peter Parker isn't from from the world he lives in. He's from somewhere else in the multiverse. And with Peter B. Parker's guidance, they make all sorts of jokes about how many times we've seen the origin story. Miles will become Spider-Man, and through that he'll become part of this ever-expanding Spider-Verse, the likes of which you've heard in the trailer. Spider-Man Noir, um, Spider-Gwen, uh, even Spider-Ham, not Spider-Pig. Legally they couldn't do that. Fox wouldn't let them use it after the Simpsons movie did, but it's a long story. Uh, but we have a clip uh, where... Peter B. Parker and Miles Morales meet Spider-Gwen. This is from quite early on in the film. I'm surprised they released this clip, actually, knowing how much it gives away about the first battle with the villain, well, one of the many villains of the film. Um, So, yeah, we have a clip. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Oh! Act super normal. Selecting a bagel. Spider-Man? You know, that's funny. I get that a lot. Hey. Spider-Man! still do it. You as the student who can do it just not as good. I'm proud of us. Is there something you want to say to me? Peter! Hey guys. Wanda? It's Gwen, actually. Oh, you know her. Very cool. I'm from another dimension. I mean, another, another dimension. So you can really get the idea that these characters have got enough time to develop and they've all got their own unique backstory sequences that in their own comics and uh, it just everything about this film is fantastic. Stories by Bob Persietti, Peter Ramsey and Rodney Rothman. These guys are able to create a very coherently paced one-hour, 57-minute film. It, the pacing spanned on, the character development superb, and it didn't drag on, which something which is rare in Marvel's, um, Tony Marvel-verse, uh, teasing this film at the end of Venom was an absolute masterstroke. 
this is the most the best and most faithful depiction of Spidey we've seen on a big screen with links to the past hints to the future now Rothman and the mighty Phil Lord of Lord and Miller uh, yep right those two produce this film so they have had a good year after all in terms of box office revenue after they got fired from Solo um the humour is fantastic it's written really well uh, the amount of jokes in this are brilliant the Stanley cameo is oh, it's poignant it's beautiful it's just really well thought out uh, the animation is superb and as this composer has done on so many films this year Daniel Pemberton's score is just perfection um, and one for you fight fans that composer did the original theme for Peep Show so quite the evolution add to that this incredible cast of talent which includes Shamit Moore as Miles Morales Jake Johnson as Peter B. Parker Hayley Steinfeld who again is going to have an incredible Christmas with Bumblebee previewing at some sites this weekend and opening wide on Boxing Day uh, you got Brian Tyree uh, Ty Henry Lily Tomlin Nicholas Cage as Spider-Man Noir Liev Schreiber and of course the final voice and animated cameo performance from Mr. Stanley, you've got a film that simply ticks all the boxes in a way that no superhero film has done since Infinity War. And that, that's how good we're talking. It's not easy to win me over like this. It's not easy to win the team of that cinema over. And I've seen it with one of them. He, I chatted with him waiting for the post-credit scene. And yeah, stay back to the end. Because if you like your memes, if you like your Spider-Man memes... You will love what they do. Setting up a te- setting up a sequel, and also paying tribute to one of the best memes in existence. Um, it's bold, it's colourful, it's vibrant, and it's uniquely different. My God, this is worth seeing on the big screen. Do not just wait for DVD. I want to see that sequel happen. And based on the previews it did last weekend, it made £750,000 at the box office last weekend alone, before it even came out. We've got we've got a charity preview on the Thursday, and then the two days of previews ended on Saturday and Sunday. Not only is this film... Not only is this film worth a watch, not only is this film a should-be-watched, but this film... And I cannot believe I get to play this little jingle that I've had to specially source and get ready for this purpose. This film... It's a masterpiece. It is actually a masterpiece. This is the best comic book film we have had in many, many years. And like I say, it is not easy to win me over in a a film like this. Spider-Verse is just brilliant. See it, see it, see it, see it, see it, see it, see it. That's all I need to say. See this film. Because what, if you can afford to do one cinema trip over Christmas, go out and see this film. Because I, like I said, I want to see the sequel to it. Sony want to see the sequel to it. all sorts of people I've seen so many tweets these last couple of days about Into Spider-Verse being one of the best films of all time quite rightly it's been recognised at the Golden Globes with the nominations I will not be surprised if it gets the BAFTA and the Oscar nods uh, in January when they are respectively announced and unfortunately with that it's quite a sad moment because this is pretty much it for 2018's Ripped Ticket Show 
do not worry though we will be back on January 11th all being well with all the happenings over Christmas including Bumblebee Mary Poppins returns anything else I get to see between now and then uh, as ever if you want to find out everything going on with the show follow us on social media we are on Facebook and Twitter facebook.com forward slash the ripped ticket show twitter.com forward slash ripped underscore ticket you can find me and my blog over at leejacksmith.com where I'll be reviewing films over Christmas I've got I've got reviews set up until next Friday uh, there'll also be a new episode of my YouTube series The Journal going out on Christmas Day profiling our big plans for 2019 um so for those of you who can't wait for the show to return, I will be continuing writing reviews over Christmas and sort of like keeping the show going in text form and there will be TV moves that we going out on social media over Christmas, as mentioned before. So, for the last time in 2018, you've been listening to Pulse Radio. My name's been Jack Smith. And until 2019, the year I see as the year of the independent film, the year of born independent as I like to call it a year that everything focuses solely on the new voices we shall see you at the movies and that's just about it for this particular episode of the Rip Ticket Show join us next week for another visit into the archives but until then my name's been Jack Smith. This has been a little bonus episode of Talking Smith About Film. And until next week, we'll see you at the movies. Mm-hmm.